Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? Yeah, we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. Nathan Rourke, 194 yards passing. He needs 80 more. Straight drop, got time, double clutches, has to spin out. Oh, it's going to be picked up. A.C. Leonard dropped into coverage and took it away at the 35. Rourke seemed to panic, and the Riders will win. A.C. Leonard from week number one of 2021 just made plays. And now he's got a big deal to show just how valuable he is. That's the big news of the day on the sports cage. Derek Taylor, Abby White, rocking alongside. Can't leave it. You can't quit the cage. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Apparently not. No, I'm here. I'm here again. Wishing uh, Zinger all the best as he's not feeling well right now. So, you know. Zinger, get better. Yeah, buddy. Get better. Uh, we certainly hope that's the case. Sports Cage on a Monday, brought to you by Western Lumber Timber Mart, location, locations in Assiniboia, Moose Jaw, Rolo, and Weyburn. AC Leonard, a two year contract to return to the Riders. We will talk a ton about that. Other deals in the CFL for some star players. One that could cost the Riders a bunch of money. Ooh, we will uh, have to uh, hit that up. Uh, Luke Mullender, Glenn Suter with us. Laura Dykin at 6.05 on the week that was in the National Football League. I thought the Sunday Nighter had the potential to be the worst Sunday Nighter of all time. Hey, what if, if Jacksonville somehow beats the Colts, yeah. then then the Chargers and Raiders could just tie and hey, everybody gets into the playoffs. Everybody's happy. That'll never happen. And then... The Colts absolutely forgot how to play football, and the and the Jaguars ran them off the field, and everybody was in play for some big money, big money. Mark Johnson, play ninety two, apparently had a piece of this too. He's the going into Sunday night thinking, oh man, I could win real, real dollars. So take me through this feeling that you had because I know that you were in on it, and here you go. Yeah. The game goes into overtime first of all, and and right like unexpected that's going to happen. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait a second. This actually potentially could play out. Yeah. So when the Jags beat the Colts, I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. That's that's good. The story just gets a little better. I had my 15 bucks riding and I would win like almost seven grand because so improbable that a game would end in a tie plus Jacksonville beating anybody, much less a team that should have gone to the playoffs. Uh, so the game's going along and it's it's 10-7, it's 17-14, it's sticking close to sevens and threes, which, oh, this is great because easy, a, a field goal here ties this one. But then it started getting a little bit out of line and it was like a nine-point game. And I thought, well, how are we getting back to this from a nine-point game? This is pointless, I'm going to turn it off early in the fourth quarter. And then flip back on you know, the score app and I'm like, 
oh my God, it's a seven-point game again with five minutes to go, and I'm back in this. Flip the TV back on, and here come the Chargers, down seven. A 20-play drive with, I think, five fourth-down conversions, each one more unlikely than the one before it. And at some point, you're just like, this is just destined to happen, right? Like, this is going to happen. If he hits another fourth and ten, this is just going to happen. Goes to overtime because they get the touchdown in the final play of the game. I jump up screaming as he guns the ball into the end zone, does uh, Justin Herbert. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. You guys now all understand that if you just tie, you both go to the playoffs. So they're not going to try. Raiders, march it down the field. Ugh, come on, man. You're killing me. <laughs> Chargers get the ball back. They get to fourth down again. I think it was fourth and nine, fourth and ten. And he, uh, Herbert just was an absolute superhero. I think he dropped back 35 consecutive plays late in this game. Hammers one across the middle into the tightest window ever to Mike Williams, who then rolls deep into uh, Raiders territory. I thought, oh, just stop doing whatever you're doing. Just run out the clock, kick the field goal. The tie gets you in. No need to score too hard. They eventually get stopped. They kick the field goal. And okay, stop it. Stop doing this. Stop. Oh, why are you throwing the ball? Stop throwing the ball, Raiders. Stop throwing the ball. Third and four with like 38 seconds remaining. Timeout, Chargers. Oh, that's weird. Why are you calling timeout? Just, you got to you, just, just stop them. Yeah, just, let the clock run. Because they're too far. This is too far to try a field goal. What if field goal gets blocked? What if it comes out too low and you end up losing the game? And then they can't stop the run. And a kicker who never misses ever, anywhere, anytime comes on the field and you're praying for the impossible to happen one more time yeah because it had happened so many times right yeah so many you should never convert that many fourth and tens but justin herbert just could not stop converting his team's exhausted oh they could barely lift themselves off the ground herbert's under pressure non-stop from max crosby unbelievable performance and boom kick up kicks good (laughs) 35-32, and uh, apparently, this is a story from USA Today, if if the game had ended in a tie, if pretend that field goal was missed, Vegas casinos would have lost a billion dollars. Oh, so there's a lot of people <laughs> that took that bet. So, And that doesn't even include folks who would have bet it online. A billion dollars is the report from USA Today of people who got down, you know, it, just different ways in which you bet that game being a tie incredible uh that was by far the best 15 bucks i spent all week because it took that game and made it just crazy in my mind i may have tuned out in a regular circumstance but because of everything that could have and had to happen man it just made sunday absolutely wacky i know that you like to uh, wager every once in a while so i'm curious like out of the games that you've wagered uh because this was a roller coaster of emotions for sure right like this this it should have stopped so many times and just kept happening. Like it was like, like you said, it was almost like it was destined to happen. Have you experienced any other games like that before? Nothing even close. Like nothing even close. I'm not big for sweating it. I just kind of go, oh, I think this is a good wager. I'm going to like my, I treat it like my retirement account. I think this is a good thing to be investing in. And uh, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But this was, you know, the sum of money was, was substantial, but it wasn't life-changing substantial. But it was by far the biggest sweat because you're like, oh, my God, I was rooting for the world to burn, and the world is burning. This is amazing. 
right? It's sometimes, right? You're you're betting because you think, well, yeah. the Riders are going to win this game, so obviously I'm going to take them in the in the West semifinal. And sometimes you're betting just because, man, wouldn't it be funny if? Yeah. And wouldn't it be a great story if? So yeah, if I was at uh, Western Pizza just shuffling off the twenties today. I heard some rumor, and I don't know where it came from, but uh, like, I don't know if there was a like, video of players talking on the field after the game, and they yeah. basically were questioning one of the Charger guys, like, why did you guys take the time out there? We were just going to run the ball up the middle and run the clock out. Yeah. Someone, someone's taking like, a conversation between Austin Eckler, the Chargers running back, and, and one of the Raiders. Barstool put it out and said, oh, well, this is evidence that they're saying, like, well, you can't see the guys, you can't see the yeah. Raiders' face, so you don't know what he's saying, but... So they call timeout with, what, 38 seconds left because they want to get their defense set to stop a run play. And ultimately, they don't stop the run play, and it puts them in field goal range, and the Raiders go, yeah, you know what? We get to face a team we want to versus a team we don't want to. Let's try the field goal. I don't I don't buy... Buy that they would have just settled for the tie? If they if they don't convert that third down, they absolutely would have settled for the tie. Right. It's, they're not trying a 57-yard field goal, but because it was like 47, sure. We can hit that. 57? A lot of stuff could go really bad. Yeah, because you can miss that, and then that guy could run it back or blocked or whatever, right? Yeah, so. and who knows what his incentives are because you've thrown the whole thing out of whack of everybody should just tie and get out of here healthy. There was a point where I was just I was just rooting for, man, I hope one of the Raiders gets really injured badly, and their playoff hopes are screwed <laughs> because they are just going against their own incentives in this one just to win a football game. Uh, that may have been that may have been uh, may have been tainted by the fact that folks here could have won a bunch of money. Maybe maybe self interest weighed into that just a little bit. But man, <laughs> that was a Sunday nighter for all time, and that will be an all time story from the National Football League. We will talk plenty more about that with Laura Dyken coming up at six oh five. We'll probably dip into that with uh, Luke Mulder as well because he was certainly certainly watching that one uh, let's go to break it on the other side we'll get into ac leonard his big money deal a guy who absolutely deserves it and another deal in the canadian football league that will affect the riders in a roundabout fashion that's coming up the sports cage on 620 ckrm 620CKRM is your source for the sports cage. If you've got something to say, call or text 306-936-6262 or call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. It's the afternoon rush. Former writer Brayden Lenius has chosen his NFL team. It, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Lenny has multiple offers from NFL teams after his release from the Riders. Bombers defensive back DeAndre Alford also signing with Atlanta. Congratulations to Penny Barker and her Moose Jaw rank. They won the Provincial Scotties last night, defeating Chelsea Carey in the final. It'll be Barker's second trip to the Scotties, first since 2017. And former Rider Jerome Messam pleaded guilty to videotaping sex with a woman without her consent. That was the incident that led to the Riders cutting him back in 2018. Messam expected to be sentenced in March. The Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, buddy. That's all right. I mean, after the season we had, they at least got some good news. They have no traditional wide. Like, uh, Calvin Ridley didn't play much this year. No traditional wide receivers, right? Like uh, yeah, no. Pitts is Pitts is uh, fantastic at tight end in his rookie year. 
Yeah, they need help. That's why when we had this discussion last week yeah. about teams where he might have the best opportunity, if you will, yeah, kind of felt like Atlanta was one of those spots. So I was pretty thrilled to see the uh, the photo today with him and uh, our Rise Up gear on and uh, and ready to go to Georgia and hopefully make uh, turn some heads. That'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah, wherever you get the opportunity, right? So Braden and his family and his agent sat down and said, "Where do we go?" Atlanta, the place to be. Congratulations uh, to him. Uh, the Riders, congratulations to them getting AC Leonard's yeah. name on a contract for the next two years. TSN's Farhan Lalji saying it's $205,000 for the coming season, $210,000 for 2023, $40K up front with $10,000 more as a bonus after he plays his first game. That is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. More than two hundred grand uh, for each season is a lot of money. He's about to turn 30 uh, Saturday. In fact, AC Leonard will turn 30. And it, to me, is exactly commensurate with the kind of season that AC Leonard had. He was, apart from the suspension, fantastic for the 13 games he got to be on the field. You know, um, when it comes to money, I mean, I haven't had a chance to see what you know payroll is and stuff. Uh, let's go back to 2019, for example. Do you know off the top of your head who might be the, the highest paid player on the Riders on the defensive side and what they might have got? Like, is this in, in line with that? In 2019, it would have been Micah Johnson. Uh, Micah would have been the highest paid yeah, he'd d- been defensive probably... player in the entire league that year. And it would have been 200-ish, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is probably a hair under that, if I had to, if I had to guess right. Uh, that information is probably out there if you dig deep enough. But this is this is significant money, and... I mean, we still don't know what the salary cap is going to be for the coming year, but the Riders knew had to have AC Leonard because think about what he what he proved in 2021. We kind of didn't know. Well, he was really good in 19, but Charleston Hughes was on the other side, and look at all look at this laundry list of guys who have prospered with Charleston Hughes on the opposite side. Sean Lemon had some good times. Freddie Bishop was a double double digit sack guy. Uh, Jagera Davis became a you know a stud in Calgary before moving on to Hamilton. Is it the Charleston Hughes effect? And we learned quickly it was not. AC was just from the get go, just crushing tackles. You heard off the top of the show the interception that he had against BC. Like oh, I'm I'm just dropping into coverage late in the season. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to be over here. I'm going to be... Actually, you know what? I'm going to line up in the middle, and you don't know what I'm going to do. I might come. I might drop. I might do just about anything. Oh, and if I decide to come, uh, I'm better at timing the snap than anybody in the Canadian Football League, and I'm already around the tackle and strip-sacking your quarterback. This was... For me, it was their number two most important re-signing. Uh, and that they got it done early, got it out of the way, and everybody else can go... Okay, uh, we have our top two defensive ends back, the two guys who led the league in sacks. It's a good spot to be in. And what I like about this deal is it's a two-year deal. Yep. Right? So he's uh, he's here for you know, the next couple of seasons, so we got something else to, to kind of build around. And, yeah, it's, it's super exciting, especially when you, you know, your star players get re-signed on your team. Yeah. And uh, so now, like you said, now they start moving forward with who they can build around that. Well, and one of the – it hadn't gotten too much voice yet, but one of the critiques was – well, Winnipeg's signing all its superstars. All these teams are signing their superstars. We're, we're re-signing special teams players and stuff. What's, what's happening? Well, boom, here's one of the stars. A.C. Leonard, unquestionably one of the stars. Could have been, would have been defensive player of the year. Would have been the team's MOP, honestly, if, if he wasn't suspended for three games. Yeah. 
It, it was that, and that's not to excuse anything about what he did, but it's just to say he was that bleeping good in 2021 that I would absolutely have voted him over. I, I chose Luchez Purifoy, but I would have taken him over Luchez. I would have taken him over Fajardo when it comes to the most outstanding player nomination. And that, that would have been enough, I would think, to get him in the all-star nod that he ultimately didn't get. Made more plays behind the line of scrimmage than any player in the Canadian Football League. And one of the things that you certainly saw as Ryder fans, but I think perhaps goes unnoticed around the league, is just how many tackles he makes. There are defensive ends who who just, I get the quarterback. That's what I do. I get the quarterback. 18 games, I'll make 17 tackles. AC Leonard made 48 tackles last year, playoffs included. That is the most of any defensive end in the Canadian Football League. He a lot of is, tackles. He is everywhere. He is absolutely everywhere. And he, I want to beat the dead horse, but just started playing defensive end in 2016. He's a, he is a super elite athlete. Uh, God bless whatever Chris Jones saw in him and said, you know what you should do? Play defensive end because you're going to make a lot of money there because now he is making a lot of money there. And, and props to him. He's, uh, he's, not, he's not a guy who loves talking to the press. He just loves to go out there and absolutely wreck offenses. God bless him. Number six is back for two more years. You know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, we talked about Jones last week too and all that stuff, but, you know, he's one thing he's done a good job at for sure is finding guys that were offensive players and turning them into, into defensive stars. He saw that. So whether it's just because yeah. they understand the offense, you know, enough and they switch to the other side, and obviously they're just elite athletes. They're just good at whatever position you're going to put them in or whatever. But yeah. to get on that side of the ball and kind of have a real good feel of what the receivers are going to do because you were on that side. Yeah. Uh, it's probably some sort of an advantage to him. So, yeah, obviously he took it and ran with it here uh, in the CFL as a defensive player and, and, and kudos to AC. I mean, he, he earned his money. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how uh, the season turns out for him, but excited about it. Great cup year, man. <laughs> One of the guys you absolutely need to have back, right? You could yeah. not let that guy go. And I haven't seen contract numbers for say Willie Jefferson or Jackson Jeffcoat, two other defensive ends who have already re-signed. But AC deserves to be off his 2021, deserves to be in that class. So 205 for this year, $210,000 for 2023. They got to know something about the salary cap. So this would seem to be in line. Well, what do you think? Is it, is it too much? Is it just right? Is it not enough? What do you think about AC Leonard and $200,000 for his efforts? The text line is always open for you at 306 936 6262. Brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. One other big-time signing of a CFL star today, the BC Lions getting Lucky Whitehead's name on a contract for two years. Again, Farhan Lodge with the contract details. Two hundred grand this year, two hundred five grand in 2023. So after his absolute star turn this season, Lucky Whitehead making a bunch of money and staying in BC. He looks so good in green if we could ever get him. Can you imagine? The thing it makes me wonder is, okay, well, it's 200 grand for Lucky Whitehead, who has one superstar year under his belt. What does that do to the market for Duke Williams? They're They're different players. They're different receivers. Duke's got a longer track record of being absolutely elite at this level. 
So if I'm Duke Williams' agent, I go, oh, so Lucky Whitehead gets 205? I'm going to need 205 plus and then some and then a little more. I think I think Duke Williams had to be ecstatic to see this deal go down because this this to me raises the bar for him for sure. <laughs> and it it makes me just as much believe he has to be back in green. It'd be interesting in the negotiation parts, right? In the front office, like they're obviously working deals with players right now. And you'd want to get those deals done before some of the comparable players get theirs done, right? Because let's say they were talking 175, 180 right now. That suddenly changed today. Because as soon as that news comes out, it goes, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm going to need, like, I don't know. I would absolutely make Duke Williams the highest paid receiver in the game. I'd have make him the highest paid non-quarterback in the game. Just watching what he did in the Riders' offense. His touchdown in the West final was, was it the play of the year in the CFL? Uh, it was unbelievable is what it was. Like, Regardless, yeah. A te- they were not moving the ball much at all, and then all of a sudden Cody dimes one to Duke Williams, who then runs away from a tackler, dances around Brandon Alexander, and then scores a touchdown that the Riders needed because they'd just given up one, and you thought, oh, this might be the end. Nope, here comes Duke. Uh, he's of the age where you could easily give him a couple years and expect. Uh, shoot, you could give him three years if you wanted to, based on his age. He comes in younger than AC Leonard. Two oh five for Lucky Whitehead. Well, if you're Riley, you got to be pretty excited about that too. Getting yeah. your your top guy back, and really, I you know I, I I'm a fan of Lucky Whitehead. He's he, he's an exciting player to watch. Super fast, crafty, and uh, has a lot of heart too there. Because didn't he like break his hand and? try to get back in the game or whatever right like like legit his hand was busted and they he came back out to play yeah he he tried to finish that game and he did he was just running routes we kind of knew that wasn't anything he then missed two games came back on the third one and you thought this isn't this isn't going to work and it didn't but that next game afterward he just started lighting it up again there was it made you wonder why Winnipeg couldn't figure it out the year before, and maybe it was just a positional thing, but we saw in game number one, right? Oh, there he goes past Nick Marshall's 75-yard touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, Goodbye. look at that guy go. And he just kept doing that all season long. So, yeah, 205 for Lucky. As Ryan's on the text line saying Duke gets 225+. plus. I I cannot argue with that, and to me... There's a point where I would stop saying this, but whatever it takes. Yeah, you're 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 buying yourself a Duke jersey if he resides. I know that for sure. Absolutely the truth. What would you pay Duke Williams? Lucky Whitehead, 205. You saw him for a few games. You know what he can do in this offense. What would you? It's a salary cap world, so you gotta think about that. But what would you pay Duke Williams? The text line at 306-936-6262. We're also on Twitter at SportsCage, or you can get me at DT. On SC, it is 429. Luke Moner, Glenn Suter, 505 on the cage. Time for one big number. One big number for this day is 24. This past season, AC Leonard made 24 plays at the line of scrimmage or behind. That was the most in the entire Canadian Football League. That's sacks. Holding calls drawn, tackles for a loss, and passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. 24 of them in just 13 games worth of action, including the playoffs. 
No surprise he was that disruptive to offenses. No surprise the Riders rewarding him with a new two-year deal today. One big number brought to you by realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland. Call June Daku, 306-736-7640. Your source for everything Riders, Pats, Rams, and more. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 431, David Pence, you just got me on the text line. I love it. I love it. What would I pay Duke Williams? That eye-gouging face spitter? Not one red cent. Then he says, kidding. Same as Lucky. That was was a super weird end of the season, right? Oh, he he spit in my face. Well, there's nothing that says it, but okay. Oh, he gouged my eyeballs. Well, I don't... There's nothing that shows that either, so... What's what's happening here? What's what's the truth? I, we're all I believe we're all going to side with Duke until we see something substantial. But that was that was super weird. I mean, by now, I mean there's so many cameras around that if there was any proof, you, we would have got it by now. You'd think, yeah, right? Like really, yeah. I mean, the the league looked into the spitting thing, and they said we looked at every angle, 4K cameras, all that. There's nothing. There was nothing there. Um, yeah, and I, I was on his Twitter account yesterday. Uh, there hasn't been a lot from Sean Lemon since the playoffs ended. You're like, oh, he's usually more vocal on Twitter than this. I don't wonder what's, I wonder what's, what's all going on here. But, uh, yes, Duke Williams, by not actually having to do anything, made himself a little richer on this day. Uh, AC Leonard, of course, the big news, signing a two-year contract. Brian pointing out Willie Jefferson got somewhere between 210 and 225, I believe. Jeff Coat 175. So that's that's a pretty nice it's uh, a pretty nice area to be in. Farhan Lalji saying Leonard got 205 for the coming season, 210 for 2023 with $40,000 up front and $10,000 more when he plays his very first game. So that one seventy five for Jeff Coat seems like a deal right now, does it oh, not? I like really when you look at it, you go, "Wow, that's a pretty good deal." He's a heck of a player. I would be a terrible GM, so <laughs> let me preface this with that because guys would kind of walk all over me. If I was another general manager, uh, if I was um, the GM, the Riders wouldn't have needed Jackson Jeff Coat, but to that level. But I was one of the other seven GMs. I would have tried to find a way to get a message to Jeff Coat's agent that. I'll make you the highest-paid defensive player in the league. He was—he's been that good. He was on the six game for for six games, appropriately enough, in 2019, and still almost led the league in quarterback pressures. Like he just crushes dudes. He is unbelievable, and sure plays with Willie Jefferson. Jeff Coat is f- fantastic. So yeah, that's a that's an unfortunate bargain for the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They got to stop getting bargains on these players and pony up to pay them because whenever then, gonna, then everybody yeah. else can can get in there. I mean that one-two tandem. Every game, Oof. you know, you're playing. You're when you're playing the Bombers. You know that uh, when you've got Willie and you've got Jeff Coat, like man, you're in. You're in for pressure, pretty much nonstop in the game. So well, and and we get it Labor Day Banjo Bowl, right? So there's there's Willie and Jeff Coat coming to town on Labor Day. But oh by the way, the two guys that led the league in sacks, AC Leonard and Jonathan Woodard, on the other side. side. Yeah, here we go. Like this is, we get a couple of matchups of. Super elite defensive lines, guaranteed this season, barring injury. Guaranteed this season. That's that is fantastic news for football fans. Uh, it's 
it's a real it's a real nice deal for uh, for AC Leonard because I'm trying to think uh, Jeff Coat. I don't think Jeff Coat is necessarily as versatile, or at least not used in the same way that AC Leonard is. Willie Jefferson is this. He's a freaking total nature, difference maker. Yeah. Uh, but Leonard's a guy you could use. Uh, uh, Willie will drop back in, not necessarily into coverage per se, but just be like, okay, well, I'm not going to get there. I'm going to stand back there. And in 2019, he was just batting balls out of the air. Yeah, set a league record in knockdowns. Legit. I feel like you could, if you really felt like goofing with people, you'd just be like, yeah, you know what, AC, you're going to be the safety on this play. I've never seen it, but I'm, ah, you know what, let's just try this. Let's just see what happens, because we did, Chris Jones did this with Toby Antigua. Let's we're just do this with you. But he will, he'll be on the field side. He'll line up, stand up over the center. He'll stand up over the center and just drop into a short zone. He just does everything you could want. And to have a defensive coordinator and Jason Shivers go, you know what? We're gonna do. We're not just gonna do that thing where four guys come get you. We're gonna move him all over. You're gonna pick your spots, and it feels like nothing to back this up. It feels like they let him decide some stuff too. Like wherever you want to go on this one. I wonder what kind you of feel a feel free a locker room guy AC Leonard is. You know, I mean, unfortunately, through the through this past season, <laughs> our we were a bit restricted to uh, having access like we normally would. But uh, you know, you need you need leaders and, and stuff in that room. Curious what he's like in the room. Well, if you're collecting the specimens for the drug tests, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they, I get a little giggle from that. Uh, all thing, everything I've ever, there's the way you'd be with your teammates. There's the way you are with the media. AC's pretty quiet, right, to the media, to the point where he doesn't. I don't. I don't believe he likes to talk to the media a ton, and evidence would seem to say that. Like, hey, because uh, we, we talked to him. Maybe once in training camp, uh, when he came back, when he got suspended, he came out. But uh, as far as like the all-star nominations not getting on there, we didn't get a chance to talk to him. Uh, did we get him in a post-game show? He had some, some ripping up performance. We probably got him once in the post-game show. I just don't believe he likes to talk to the media. He just likes to play football and be with his guys. Yeah. Honestly, which be great if everybody was the most amazing talker in the world but true some guys just don't like it and, and i can i can totally i can totally understand that it'd be great because that dude is the absolute impact player who can turn a game so fast that you know it'd be great if you just come tell us about it and, <laughs> yeah, and eloquently tell us everything about it and tell us how it happened and, and brag about yourself for us that would be fantastic but honestly he's just interested in playing and interested in making his bucks and, man, did he secure the bag today. Uh, as we mentioned in one big number, 24 plays at the line of scrimmage. Sacks, holding penalties drawn, tackles for a loss, or passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Uh, number nine in the league in quarterback pressures. Uh, 48 tackles, including the playoffs, in just, what is that, 13 games. And it, it can't be overstated. That's the most among all defensive ends, period. Uh, Ja'Gara Davis had some... Had good numbers. We got pretty close. But A.C. Leonard just does more than some defensive ends working that that field side. That This was a no-brainer. Uh, Duke Williams re-signing would be a no-brainer. A.C. Leonard has to happen. Uh, Luchez Purifoy, in my mind, has to happen. They've already done things like Micah Tights and Nick Marshall and Jorgen Hoos and guys like that. Now we get a chance to get to the big dogs. Well, yeah. we, we hope they're 
they're getting to the big dogs. Yeah, well, I'll be interested to see what happens on the receiving core, right? Because we've had this discussion now because I, th- I think we're all super high on Duke. Um, but then you've got, you know, other guys to look at as well. If if Duke doesn't come or if you do, how does that change who else you sign on that uh, on the front side? Right? Well, and, and one of the things uh, on that front is we uh, we believe Duke should get a ton of money if Lucky Whitehead's going to make $200,000. What about Brian Burnham, a guy who the riders were reportedly interested in past free agent years? Can, can BC pay Michael Riley and Lucky Whitehead and Brian Burnham? Would the Riders be interested again in Brian Burnham? That, there's that spot to the, the slot back to the short side of the field. Yeah, we could somebody could play there. Duke could play on the other side. Shaq could be the wide receiver on that side. Kyron Moore, they could figure a spot for him if they decide to re-sign him. And be then- curious if there's any knock-on effect for Brian Burnham because that is a guy who... I would step over my own mother to have play for my football team. <laughs> it's on. great cup year. Let's just load right up. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? This is not in my mind. Jeremy O'Day will say, well, no, it's, we know we realize the great cup is here, but it won't change too much for us. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> How much do you think Ryder fans treasure having won the great cup at home in 2013? Greatest day of our lives. <laughs> right? You ask any writer fan to list their top five greatest days ever, and, you know, you get weddings and you get, you know, yeah. birth dates. And uh, writers winning Grey Cup at home. Had 1989 been here? 1989 is still a great yeah. Grey Cup win. It just wasn't here, right? And no. the stories of the 2013 Grey Cup of, God, it was so cold all that week. And then all of a sudden it just warms up for Greg. And then they just mash Hamilton into the dirt by halftime. And it's just a party to the point where Chris Cuthbert's on the call on television and you can't hear him say anything because everybody's just so loud celebrating this. That's, that's real value that I would just, I'm pushing the very (laughs) edges of the salary cap and I am going, uh, if, if 2023 sucks, because you went for it in 2022, I will absolutely, as a fan, give you a pass if 23 sucks because you tried to win it at home. I mean, being uh, a guy that grew up in Saskatchewan, Ryder fan my entire life, uh, I remember, you know, when we first got awarded a Grey Cup was a huge deal, right? And then in your mind, you're like, can you imagine if we got to play in the Grey Cup at home? How crazy that would be. No, obviously that didn't happen the first time around. And, you know, getting to the Grey Cup for the Riders... Net, you know, we had a good stretch for sure. Yeah. Haven't won as many great cups as any of the other teams in the in the league. But um, when they announced that we had that great cup coming here again, and we knew we had a team that could get there, and then they got there, and it was like we can't. There was we are not losing this game. <laughs> like we are absolutely going to win the great cup at home in Regina for the best fans in the CFL. Yep. And like you said, they normally we have to stress out through games because that's our team. But that was the one where you got to have time and you went, holy cow, we actually, <laughs> we actually are pounding these guys. Yeah. And uh, it was. It was just an absolute party. This city, province, it was just crazy. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to see it again here in 2022. After all the crap we've been going through with this pandemic, I tell you, we need something to really you know, get us all fired up here in Rider Nation. Yeah. So this is not in any way the year to go, ah, you know what, it'll be fine if we finish, eh, wherever. But you really have to make every move possible. 
you know what, we're going to fill in with some minimum salary dudes. Uh, our, we'll trust that the scouts will be able to find some American guys to fill in these other spots. But, man, we are going to move on these stars. Our stars, back. Purifoy, back. Micah Johnson, back. Let's get them all. Let's get them all here. And then let's make that one. That, that one move that just makes everybody go, holy cow. Because let's not kid ourselves. Uh, Winnipeg is off to a good start in free agency, and they're the two-time Grey Cup champions. If there's anything that we saw, though, in, in this past season is the fact that our team has really got depth and at least the oh, connections man. to bring guys in. Like We have we had experienced nothing like any team probably has ever experienced before. I, I want to say like in professional sports. like It was ludicrous out of the gate how many injuries were happening on players, especially on the defensive side. And the fact that they... We're able to find guys and just make it work and, and you know shine. It was yeah. It was absolutely remarkable what they what they did based on what we could have had for a roster at the start of the year compared to what we had at the end of the season. Um, outstanding. So yeah. I, I'm I'm confident that we get you know we've got AC. We start signing these guys yeah. and yeah we got we got to build in the middle. But I'm confident in the fact that they're so good at their jobs of getting that depth filled in that we're going to be fine. Yeah. I will, I will never stop telling the story of 2021 of what would the receiving core have been Shaq, Jordan Williams, Lambert, Braden Lenius, Kyron Moore, and it Mitch picked at the start or Justin McKinnis. Honestly, it, sh- it, it probably should have been McKinnis injured. Kyron Moore towards ACL ended up injured. Lenius whole season, Jordan Williams, Lambert, weird injuries, and then gone for the year. Shaq spent seven games on the on the injured list. Yeah, that's and that's just receiving core. Oh, by the way, should have been uh, Taron Vaughn and Takobi Cofield. Neither guy played a snap for the Riders. Takobi uh, retiring. Taron Vaughn. They played with their third and fifth tackle. Uh, Charleston Hughes was was waived in February, so they had time, but should have been Freddie Bishop. Oh, two days before training camp. Freddie Bishop's gone, and the all-star middle linebacker is gone, and on and on and on and on, and 17 guys were on the six-game injured list. And I'm sure if some other team may be like, well, you're just making excuses. Well, kind of, yeah. Is it a coincidence that the healthiest team in the Canadian Football League won the Grey Cup? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you get if you get super talent and they stay healthy, you're probably going to win a lot of football games. The Riders got super talent and, like you say, tremendous depth. It absolutely did not stay healthy. And they won 10 football games last year, yeah. including the playoffs. Unreal. I I could not stop, and I, I will refuse to stop, lavishing praise on Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day for the work that they did. Hey, we're on our seventh linebacker. Okay. We had a we started the guy at Sam. He was replaced by a Canadian. That guy hurt. This guy decided he didn't want to take the vaccine, so he went home. And now we got another guy there. Okay, who's Roland Milligan? Throw him out there. Oh, he looks really good. Let's do it. Let's go into the playoffs with Roland Milligan and Jacob Dearborn or Jay Dearborn. Excuse me. It was it was an incredible job. So, yeah, the the bottom end of the roster, the bottom end, if it ends up being forty five man rosters again. And again, everything is up for grabs because of the need for a new collective agreement. I am not concerned about there being talent at the bottom end of the roster. No. Oh, all of a sudden, hey, Paul McRoberts, a guy who couldn't get a sniff. Here we go. Playing in the playoffs. Let's go. We need another tackle. Let's try this Andrew Lauderdale guy. Oh, he's pretty good. Let's go. Let's keep rolling with him at left tackle. It just, 
it was an amazing, amazing season. So you take all that and you go, here's what we've been able to do with our minimum salary spots. Well, we think the salary cap's going to be this. As the texter said, what about Brian effing Burnham? I, I appreciate the appropriate use of his middle name. <laughs> yeah. Brian effing. You know what? It's kind of a pipe dream. But if, uh, if I can almost win thousands of dollars because the <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars won a game and another one was almost tied, anything could happen when free agency opens in a month. Just think, somebody yesterday, maybe they did, could have bet on Jacksonville, Detroit, oh my God. and Seattle. If you would have just picked those three guys, or those three teams, pardon me, that would have been a heck of a payday. You would have got 90, 100 to 1. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, Jacksonville was 6.5. Detroit must – people knew they that Green Bay wasn't playing, but they would have been significant dogs as well. Oh, it was a wacky, wacky week 18 in the National Football League. We'll talk about that with Laura Dykin coming up at 6.05. All the guests of the cage – Appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It is 448. We'll talk some curling. We'll talk some NFL moves. All coming up. The segment for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. On the sports cage, there's always something to say. So say it. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Back to the cage with Derek and the panel. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Defensive end A.C. Leonard, two-year extension. More than two hundred grand per season, according to TSN's Farhan Lalji. Leonard led the CFL with 11 sacks. This past season, the Lions made Lucky Whitehead the highest-paid receiver in the league, signed him to a two-year extension today, and the Pats are back to team activities after they had to pause for COVID. Their scheduled game for Tuesday remains canceled. They are, at the moment, to be in Winnipeg for a doubleheader this weekend. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Uh, Travis makes a very good point that certainly Duke Williams agents are taking, uh, taking note of, uh, Travis says Duke should get paid a lot. He'll probably be the first to have a bonus for every onside kick reception. I think, I think, come on. Is, is a grand too much for each of those? No, not really. No, bring that. That would be amazing. That would be a far halology with the details. He's got a thousand dollars for every onside kick he gets back. Ah. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, congratulations to Moose Jaw's Penny Barker beating Chelsea Carey in the final at the Scotties. That in the Cinnaboya. She had uh, Penny Barker's rank had lost the A final to Carey and the one two page playoff as well. But the third time was a charm in Sunday's final. Barker stole in the first, then stole in four and five, and in fact led 5 2 at the break, then scored two in the eighth. To uh, ultimately take it seven to five, the final Barker, who won the seventeen Scotties, beating Stephanie Lawton and Robin Silvernagel, uh, back. Uh, congratulations to her. Uh, she's been to the Scotties before. She's been close uh, in multiple occasions since that twenty seventeen title. But uh, back and Barker off to the Scotties. End of the month, we believe, because. Well, everything is in flux, and you know some provinces have had to just kind of acclaim their champion. 
Uh, Ontario said, yeah, Rachel Holman is going to represent us. Some teams, Saskatchewan, Alberta, some provinces were able to get their events off. Thankfully for the folks in Assiniboia, they were able to make the event happen, and Barker was able to get this upset win in the final. Waiting to see if Chelsea Carey will also get a spot. There were three wildcard berths last time. There is one, well, there are, what, two this time? Tracy Fleury of Manitoba has one, and the belief right now is that Carey will get the other one, barring some sort of change. So potential for two Saskatchewan rinks. That'd be cool. To be in there when the main draw kicks off. Yeah, I'd be... I'd be into that. I mean, we had that uh, curling event up in Saskatoon, and uh, we didn't even have any female representation from Saskatchewan in it. That's right, yeah. yeah. Silver there was like wasn't... three Manitoba teams, <laughs> you know. But it was it's obviously all based on points and how, yeah. you know, their seasons go and stuff. So This is this is a prime era for, for Manitoba women's rinks, right? And, oh. By the way, oh, Jennifer Jones is going to the Olympics, and okay, well, uh, uh, young Skip, whose name I have... Forgotten will represent Manitoba, but then Tracy Fleury could get in as a wild card. They are. When I was when I when I lived in Winnipeg, it was the hot time for men's rinks because this oh, was the yeah. Jeff Stoughton time, and all of a sudden Randy Dutame beats him, you know, wins one. And you're like, oh my god, who is this guy? He's phenomenal. This is terrific. Carrie Burtnick was just kind of leaving the scene. Uh, They're having that renaissance with women's rinks after just a long stretch of dominance from the Jennifer Jones rink. That is great to see, and. Yeah, we're no shortage of great women's rinks here in Saskatchewan as well. Good to see the Pats back in action. Co- however deep, we only heard of one COVID case, so however deep it went, I presume it's it's the one COVID case. They had to pause. They had to cancel some games. The weekend home and home with Saskatoon had to go away. And the, the Tuesday game, uh, not back on the books. We'll wait and see when that's rescheduled. But great to know that they can go to Winnipeg for their double dip on Friday and Saturday. Well, who would have thought that our next home game wouldn't be until January 25th? Right. Because they were, you know, they're supposed to play and then they're home and home, yeah, not home and home, but uh, two games in Winnipeg this weekend. And then next weekend, there's two games in Brandon. So they're not actually back home until the 25th uh, when they're set to play host to the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. So it's, it's, it's a long stretch from, you know, not playing in your home barn, basically. Um, and I still think there's going to be a little more you know, hiccups and bumps along the way here in the WHL season oh, yeah. for sure. That you know, it's good. They're taking it really, really seriously, and and I respect that. Uh, it's got to be super frustrating, I would think, uh, from a player's and even you know management standpoint when you're getting set to go, and then all of a sudden, you know, because you could be ready to go. Like right now, I think Moose Jaw, Regina, and somebody else got released from COVID jail, if you will. Yeah. So they're allowed to do what they want to do, but it doesn't mean that all of a sudden the teams that you're going to play could suddenly have their games. You know, oh, yeah, because so. multiple multiple teams in multiple provinces, right, have been shut down because of COVID. There's but 15 at one time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. And yet uh, John Paddock soldiers on, making a couple of moves today, getting forward Logan Linklater from the Raiders for an eighth-round pick, the 18-year-old playing in the SJ so far this year, Kindersley's finest. And the Pats claiming defenseman Nathan Salome off waivers from Brandon. Uh, they now leaves them with four 20-year-olds, so there'll be a move to make to get back down to the three 20-year-olds between uh, Salome, Riker Evans, Logan Nyhoff, and Zach Smith. One of those guys will have to uh, will have to go, or a, a roster move to be made. There. Yeah, I'd be interesting if the if the Pats made a trade with one of their 20s there to, you know, they're they're going they're doing okay this season, but let's face it, they're you know 
with Connor Bedard and the other guys we got, you kind of will look ahead here to the next year or two and really, really have a team to, to make that run to the Memorial Cup. So uh, if it's your chance to trade one of those guys and uh, get some youth, I think it's probably worth it. Absolutely agree. Jeff is on Twitter, says, I'd pay Duke $205,000 as he doesn't do kickoff returns. He asked for more. You need to convince him that that money goes to a tackle. You definitely need to address the offensive line. It was it was out in the story today, Jeff, that uh, oh Whitehead is this return specialist as well. He actually only had 12 punt returns and one kickoff return uh, this past season. The one kickoff return went for zero yards. He huh. did score on a missed field goal return, which adds a little bit of extra value. But the story seemed that was out there seemed to convey that Whitehead is their primary returner, which is just absolutely not the case. Yeah, he, I mean, you, I think you know you think that you think that he is because he's just fast and he's on the on the, on the field all the time. But then again, maybe their choice for not doing that is, you know, as you know, kickoffs and punts. There, there's a lot of contact, right? So, do you want to risk your star player maybe just? Uh, getting smoked one time coming down the field, right? So Yeah. He's uh, Whitehead between his time in Winnipeg and BC has had 44 total returns over two seasons, so 27 games, a little over one return a game. They'll spot him out there in missed field goal returns. But, hey, Dukes, Dukes out there on the hands team crushing dudes. So we love that. Yeah, we true. love that. Got to get him back. Uh, Ryan and Lloyd Minster, can we get Derek Moncrief back? Oh, my God. Ryan, now you're just – you're – you're you're presenting me my dream scenario of Moncrief is back and Duke is here and somehow Brian Burnham gets here. Like, that's just, come on. I don't see Derek, Chris Jones letting Moncrief go, though. You know, he's, I mean, he's the coach who, who first got to use Moncrief at this level, and we saw him in that injured season in 17 and went, oh, my God, look at this guy. And yeah. he's big. Yeah, Moncrief is big for a Sam linebacker in this league. I, I, I think you're right that there's, if you had him, why would you ever... Let him go. Yeah, so I just if, think because there's familiarity too. Like I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, nice thought though. I'd love to oh, have him. Great guy. Yeah, would be absolutely. Just that would be my absolute dream scenario. That that Moncrief. Those are two of my favorite guys in the entire Canadian Football League. Bring him on. Bring him back. Some big moves got to be made. What would be the big move you would want to see made? Take a t- player from another team. Put him on the Riders in this Grey Cup season. Three zero six nine three six. 6262, the text line. It's the Chase the Ace, the Rider Edition text line. 458, Luke Mullender, Glenn Suter on the other side. News is next on 620 CKRM. If you missed a show or missed part of a show, you can listen on demand at sportscage.ca. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House and 620 CKRM. 506 on a Monday. The Sports Cage brought to you by Western Lumber Timber Mart with locations in Assiniboia, Moose Jaw, Rolo, and Weyburn. Big news of the day. The Riders getting A.C. Leonard back on a two-year contract. He led the CFL with 11 sacks last season. He turns 30 on Saturday. Happy birthday, A.C. Leonard. Here's more than 200 grand for each of the next two seasons. A contract well-earned. And a discussion point as we bring in Glenn Suter and Luke Mullender to go head-to-head. Our first head-to-head segment of the year. Suits, you looking good. You got uh, what, a hoodie? Are you rocking a bunny hug there? Is that what's going on? I've, yeah, I have the hoodie on because this is a hoodie sent to me from Bigger Saskatchewan. And I, I helped out. They, they have a revitalization project going on in Bigger Saskatchewan, which, by the way, the, the, the slogan is New York is big. But we're bigger. Yes. And this is the lifetime membership 
a bigger Saskatchewan. I guess I guess we're in the I'm, I'm a member of the city forever or something. And and I'm excited about that. I wanted to say a little shout out to them. Hope the revitalization is going really well. And I can't wait to get there. Out of all the time traveling around every corner of the province of Saskatchewan as a player, I'm sure Luke has as well. Yeah. I've never been to bigger. So I'm going to bigger in March or, or sometime this offseason. There you go. Luke Mullender with us as well. Luke, who are you wearing this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm wearing a Hurley uh, tank top. I just um, uh, underneath, I don't know what type of button up this is, but uh, the, the highlight is definitely the Hurley tank top. You know, it's one of those deals where I got to get on a Zoom, so I button the shirt up. But, uh, you know, when, when I'm off Zoom, I can just rock the tank top. Business over top, party underneath. I feel you. I like that. That's, yeah. that's good. All right, let's dive into some CFL topics. I have some statements I'm going to throw at you guys. You're going head-to-head on this one. And uh, you know what, uh, Luke, you won the coin toss, so I'll start with you. The big, yes! The big news, of course, A.C. Leonard re-signing. I would say that A.C. Leonard is the most important re-signing that's happened in the CFL thus far. Agree or disagree? Um, disagree. I think that um, I think that the dual signing of Jeff Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson in Winnipeg will probably be bigger just because they managed to pull it off. One would imagine that something, somebody in that core, whether it be on the defensive side or the offensive side, uh, won't be back next year. It's just the nature of the business, right? There's no surprises in the off season. Um, however, I do think this would be the second big, biggest one. Uh, I'm thrilled. Obviously, uh, Rider Nation is probably ecstatic. And uh, I think you put it really well, DT, when you were coming in. Is uh, This is a contract that is really well earned. Like A.C. Leonard, uh, despite him, um, you know, his misstep here earlier on this year, it was a great year. But more importantly, he's, he's played outstanding when he's been in the green and white. All right. Suits, most important in the league, I say. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with Luke on it. I don't, I don't think it's the most important. I think the combination of Jeffcoat and Jefferson in Winnipeg resigning, that combination crucial to maintaining their level of excellence on defense. Um, so I would put that as a combination as number one. Uh, Lucky Whitehead is a huge one for the BC Lions. I think even more important, though, is, is Brian Burnham. But for the Riders... I would make it, uh, you know, with AC for sure, uh, one of their biggest. Duke would be probably the next biggest. But I, I think AC Leonard, you know, I, I love the way he responded after his issue uh, with the testing situation and everything that he went through. It, you know, we all make mistakes and we all, you know, do things we regret. But it's what you do the moment after those things that is most important. And I think he handled it right. I think he did it well. I think he's learned from it. We saw it when he came back after his suspension. And we saw him just really mature and emerge as, as I, I'm going to put him in the Jefferson category. I, oh, I think yeah. athletically he's in the Jefferson category. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, absolutely. I think there's things that, that he can do that Jefferson isn't asked to do. I think Jefferson obviously has things that he can do that nobody else in the league, in my mind, can do. But I, I think you are absolutely right to put him in that category. Uh, I just – I am thinking – let's go back to you, Luke. Are, are how, 
I was saying earlier, I don't know that I expected A.C. Leonard to be this good because coming into 21, we thought, well, there's no Charleston on the other side. What's A.C. all about? And it turns out A.C. Leonard just happened to be one of the best players in the CFL. I, I was a little surprised by that, honestly, because I, I just didn't know any better. Yeah, I think that when it comes to where he ended up, in terms of being, like you just said, and like Suits mentioned, right, being being right up there with Willie Jefferson, I, I don't know if it was a huge surprise. I do think people were like, oh, wow, I think it was a nice surprise. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I think that everybody sort of understood that the potential was there for A.C. Leonard. And again, when you're talking about living this potential, uh, you also have to give credit for Jason Sh- to Jason Shivers because he has found a way to utilize A.C. Leonard um, perfectly in a system that they're and again i i'm with suits you know you you look at the the defensive ends in this league you're looking at probably jefferson um jeff coat ac and jagarra davis right um yep. who are who are at the top of that league in, in some order uh or way shape or form but yeah i think it was a really nice surprise and, and now it's just expected to continue yeah it turns 30 on saturday a very nice little present for uh, A.C. Leonard. All right, Suits, hot statement number two. Uh, Lucky Whitehead, two-year contract with the B.C. Lions. Farhan Lalji saying $200,000 this season, two hundred five next season. I will say in hot statement number two, Duke Williams should make more than Lucky Whitehead. Agree or disagree? Uh, you know, I, I think it depends on, on oh. what... Are you what, couching no, I, already? It, it de- it depends on what the books say in Saskatchewan and, and what they're looking at and their overall. I mean, every 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 situation is different. What they're managing, you know, where they're spending money in other areas, you know, all of those things. So I I don't think we should get too caught up in, you know, two hundred versus one ninety versus two hundred five versus two ten. There to me, when you're in that and you add the tax element. So basically, what in our country we're getting half of of that. <laughs> so you know, you're talking an extra ten grand. You get half of that. You know, the guy in Ottawa gets the other half, and and you're sort you're basically looking at now five grand. So to to put too much emphasis on that, I think is a mistake. And what you should be looking at as a player is the bigger picture. You know, the the cups in Saskatchewan. You know Cody. You know the locker room. You know the facilities. You know, do you want to play with the fan base that the riders have? All those things have to factor in here. Um, and I wouldn't get too wrapped up in two to two ten to one ninety and those kind of things. Jeff uh, Jackson Jeffcoat didn't. True. True. He probably could honestly he probably could have made more money on the open market, but reportedly settling for hundred and seventy five. Uh Luke Mullender, Duke Williams should make more money than Lucky Whitehead. Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, but I do know this. I know that when that was announced, there was eight other GMs in the CFL that started banging their head on the table. Because <laughs> if Lucky Whitehead got 200, then guys like Duke and his agent are literally dialing up J.O. and been like, well, I guess you know where the bar starts, right? I, I think that uh, it was a vast overpayment. I think that BC also has Brian Burnham there, which, which out of those two, I would take Burnham 10 times out of 10. Um, so you've got a 200K receiver now that's essentially forcing all these other GMs to be like, well, okay, well, where's our bar and how are we going to negotiate this? 
right? So Duke Williams and any other receiver that's a free agent right now that's looking at the CFL, they're celebrating this because, you know, um, you now have a 200K receiver. But I, I don't think that any GM right now in the Canadian Football League is very happy with the BC Lions. And I look at it like the Jacksonville Jaguars situation. You know, I, I read a really interesting article talking about the, you know, the, the fact that w- with Urban Meyer, um, the owner specifically of the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't know what he wanted, didn't understand what, what it takes to – to have, a, you know, to, to make a, a great head coach in the NFL. And, and he went with the guy that was the big name and the, and the guy that he, everybody was saying, oh, man, yeah. this should be a great hire. I really think that the owner of the BC Lions right now, um, I think he's trying to make a splash. And I don't know if he, I don't know if he knows what he wants because, uh, again, you've got a guy like Burnham. You've got, you, you guys, the, the BC Lions are definitely a team that's going to need, you know, a number of guys back in that fold. And, and starting at 200K with, the, with Lucky Whitehead, um, to me, I was really surprised. And to be fair, to back up Luke's point, uh, Glenn, Lucky Whitehead didn't do much in 2019. He was absolutely a revelation in 21. But he does not have the track record that Brian Burnham does, that Duke does, that, uh, to a lesser extent, Reggie ba- even Reggie Bagleton has. That's I think that's a totally fair way to say that he's he has he was amazing, but he hasn't been amazing for as long as some other guys. No question. You know, I mean, you you look at his his body of work. If that's how you're you're finding the number that you're signing him to, then yeah, I mean, he still has to prove. He still has to become a thousand yard receiver. I mean, he's he's not been a thousand yard receiver. So, yeah. and Brian Burnham has multiple times. So I, you know, I'm with Luke, and they have to sign Brian. They haven't signed Brian. He's free yeah. agent as well. So as of February, whatever the date is. So you know, I. You know, it, it, it complicates matters for BC. It probably opens the door to Burnham looking at other options. They still haven't dealt with Michael Riley yet yep. and his contract. So they got to deal with that too. So, you know, Luke's probably onto something with the, you know, sort of setting the bar there and having other GMs hitting their head on the table go, what's going on? Especially <laughs> the time when you're looking at, maybe a new cap maybe not not sure where that's going to land and those negotiations haven't i mean have they started yet i'm not sure we haven't heard anything about them i wonder as you guys bring this up i wonder if bc knows something about michael riley's contract because bo levi mitchell is renegotiated nick arbuckle took a new deal i wonder if they know something about that that opens this up uh but i want to open this up and i want to test you guys all right here we go, and this is about Duke Williams, and it's based on everything we know right now. Uh, Glenn Suter, you are the GM of uh, Makeup a Team, but you feel Duke Williams is perfect for your team, okay? You feel he is okay. the perfect fit uh, schematically and personality-wise. Luke, you are the GM of a team. You also think he's a perfect fit for your team. I will be Duke Williams' agent, and I come to you, Glenn Suter, and say, my client would like 175 Will you pay him 175 yeah, we can work with that. Uh, Luke Mullinder, I've got an offer for 175. Would you go to 185? Oh, he's thinking about it. Or we lost him. <laughs> well, sorry about that, guys. It's 2021, and I still don't know how to use the uh, mute, mute button. I thought I, um, I thought Luke hung the phone up on you after that. Ah. He just said, "No, I'm not no, even no, no. like, come on, I'm not negotiating <laughs> no. like this." Duke Williams, 185. <laughs> 
I would say, look, man, let's take a look at this 175 and make it uh, as fiscally uh, beneficial for you as possible. I think there's a number of ways we can do it. Let's let's take a look at this housing bonus uh, deal that's uh, that, that's taxed differently and uh, see if we can't work it out. I'd I'd love to match a team and I'd, I'd go up to 180 for you, Duke. 180. Uh, Glenn Suter, my client's got 180 from another team. He really is uh, he's intrigued by them, but he likes you better. What can you do? What will you go 185? Well, here's the thing. We're we're not going to get into this back and forth negotiation, but I'll I'll tell you. You give you give Brian Burnham my phone number. I'm going to call Brian and talk to him about his off field opportunities in our city, and what he can he can do to generate other types of revenues and really plant himself in this city as the guy, the star, and in this offense. By the way. Uh, we'll talk to the offensive coordinator as well and get him excited about his plans for Brian, and and that's what we're going to do. But this is this is our final offer. It's it's 180 and a whole bunch more if he makes that phone call. <laughs> Oh. I, I love how I'm I'm wholly unprepared to be an agent because Suits put the twist on me and went, well, I got Brian Burnham's phone number, and I was totally unprepared for that. So you, you – uh, uh, Luke Mullender, uh, I've got an offer now on the table for $205,000. He's yours if you Ooh. go to two ten. Will you do it? And I, you can tell I'm lying here because Suits just offered me one eighty. Yeah, well, here's what we'll do. You know, I know that uh, probably the next move from a GM in this situation would be to uh, offer uh, opportunities outside of football in the uh, in the city that um, that we play in. However, you know, we got some really influential board members that have some strong ties to the United States of America, specifically where you're at, Duke, living now. And, you know, I think that we can potentially look at ways to, to start benefiting your off-field career as well in your hometown. Like, let's really start using our influential power to start moving the needle here and uh, start getting you situated for life after football as well in your hometown. Look at these two cheap GMs I got to deal with. <laughs> Life of an agent is awful. I just want, as, as the third GM in this, back up the truck. Duke, take what you need from this truck, and we'll be all good. Uh, Duke, ADT, I, ADT, I got some upfront money for you, too, and your client, too. We got some upfront money, so <laughs> we, can, we can talk about that. I love it. I love it. I, like, like Luke yeah, said. DT, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm tampering here, but uh, I, I did hear the rumor that there was three crates of Dr. Pepper on the way to White City. Ah, he's going to Luke's team. Boom. <laughs> Dr. Pepper was the answer. If you And I can, I can sell some of that off, buy myself a Western pizza to go with it, and we're all good. I love it. I love it. Uh, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about Brayden Lenius, Jacob Ruby signing a deal in the Canadian Football League. He is back. Was that the right thing to do? That's all coming up as Luke and Suits go head-to-head on the cage. Keeping you connected to everything that matters in the sports scene. It's the Sports Cage with Derek and the panel. 620 CKRM. Afternoon rush. Former rider Braden Lenius has chosen his NFL team. It's the Atlanta Falcons. Lenius had multiple offers from NFL teams after his release from the Riders. 
Bombers defensive back DeAndre Alford also signing with those Falcons. And congratulations to Penny Barker and her Moose Jaw rink. They won the Provincial Scotties last night, defeating Chelsea Carey in the final. It'll be Barker's second trip to the Scotties first since 2017. Derek Taylor, Luke Mullender, Glenn Suter. Uh, Suits, Brayden Lenny is signing with the Atlanta Falcons. I have no more information as to what would have been a better team for him. I just, you know, he's going to this decision uh, smart and the one that's best for himself. And I love seeing, as much as it costs the team that I root for, I love seeing these guys get their NFL shots. Yeah, so do I. And, and they, they will continue and will always be ambassadors for the game of football, for our country, for our game as well. I mean, that's that's a kid that spent uh, part of his high school life at Carson Graham in North Vancouver in, in Braden. So, you know, I, I, I'm happy for him, but it also emphasizes, you know, we, we always do this as Canadians, and I don't want to lump everybody together, but we always do this where we really don't appreciate it until all of a sudden it's it's got a different logo stamped on it and now we've said okay now it's it's ready to go we you know Braden was tre- treated as a great athlete great upside great potential by the entire country all season long and now that he's signed in Atlanta all of a sudden he's a major loss and this is big and this is a great I mean, he's a great, he's a good player that's got a great upside and, and great athleticism, good speed, all of it. Um, and we just have to appreciate what we have and what we see yeah. in our rosters in our country. And 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 one of the tr- one of the truths, uh, Luke. I don't, I'm not sure if you and I have talked about this at some point, but as I kind of go back over the list of CFL guys who went to the NFL. We, Brandon Zilstra, uh, Darrell Walker, uh, gosh, these guys. I, I, as I look back at it, I go, you know what? There was actually another star right behind him to replace him. So we lose Braden Lenius and we're poor for that. But honestly, the next Canadian kid is right around the corner. And not to not to diminish Braden anyway, but there's another Canadian kid who's going to come and rip things up here. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, here's here's the thing with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders: you lose a great talent like Braden Lemius. And Luke is so verklempt that, <laughs> that he can't deal with it. He's got 2022 and the phone issues with 2022. I'm see if we can't get his connection uh, back a, yeah. a little bit there. We just lost Luke for a moment. Uh, Braden Lenius off to the Atlanta Falcons. Congratulations to him. A, a career season for him in 2021. Changed his body, changed everything about his approach, and man, did it pay off. Uh, Jacob Ruby signing a two-year yeah. deal with the Ottawa Red Black suits. He, of course, had misled the Elks about his vaccination status, ended up getting released, and no team could sign him. He signed now a two-year deal with the Ottawa Red Blacks. I was curious to see who was going to take the jump. Uh, your your thoughts on the Red Blacks getting Jacob Ruby under contract? Yeah, I, I'm happy for Jacob. I you know I think that he he made a, a terrible mistake and, and a bad decision to do what he did to try and fake the vaccination status uh, and lie about it. Uh, that that would have put his team and maybe the rest of the league in in danger, possibly. So I, you know, I think the punishment fit the crime, to be honest. And now he needs a second chance. And apparently he's completely vaccinated. He's learned from this. 
And now, yeah, I'm glad he's signed. It doesn't matter what team to me. Glad he's signed. Glad he'll be back. He's a good football player. Uh, Luke Molander, Jacob Ruby, two-year deal with the Red Blacks after a season in which he got cut for uh, misleading the Elks on his vaccination status. What's your impression of the move? Oh, um, I'm, I'm really happy for Jacob Ruby. I think that uh, I think that he's not the only one that, that, that really struggled and is struggling right now with uh, with this the whole vaccination and and booster and Omicron and Decepticon and Predacon. Like, man, there's so many, you know, variants. And like, this is a really stressful time for people. And I think that uh, for for Jacob Ruby to have his career cut off altogether for for really uh, a really, you know, bad mistake. But still, like, I'm glad he didn't lose his career over it. Right. Um, and I'm glad that that Ottawa picked him up and I'm glad that he uh, he's going to get a second chance. And it sounds like he's learned. Right. Like when, when something like this happens, you just want to hear regret. Right. You want to hear regret. You want to hear somebody that's willing to, to, to look at, you know, the actions that they've all. Oh, well, granted, for some things like murder and things like that, obviously, that you can't. Right. But like this this instance, I'm, I'm glad it worked out for the CFL, for Jacob Ruby, and I'm glad he learned. Yeah, these these kind of events, and especially in the time of COVID, they draw they can draw a lot of heat, and social media brings out the worst in us. Uh, but the death penalty is not the most appropriate punishment in every case, right? To to take away a guy's career because he did something super dumb and and tried to hide it and super dumb. There's some and suits. I don't know how legit it is when it's on Twitter, but there's some advocacy for oh, he should never play again. Uh, no, the death no. penalty is very hard, and that's I mean, uh, Ray Carruth, the old Carolina Panthers receiver, should never play football again, and he yeah. never did. Yeah, because Frank he tried to have his girlfriend murdered, right? Like that's there's I lied to my employer, and there's I tried to murder somebody, and there's a lot of space between those two. O.J. Simpson can never play in the NFL again. Let's just say that. Like what Jacob Ruby did, terrible and dumb, but honestly. Uh, if some team wants him to play football and thinks he's a good football player, I'm glad, to your point, the punishment fit the crime. Yeah, I, I think it was the right thing to do at the time and how important it was that everyone was upfront and straight about you know their status and where they were so that the whole COVID thing could be managed. And, man, you know, when we think about the Great Cup being played in Hamilton, the great game that it was, the great showcase and stage that it was, and just under the wire with this new one. I don't know which one of the words that Luke used that describes it. Decepticon. and all those things. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I look at that and I think, yeah, Jacob Ruby, obviously, I'm glad he's got a second chance to play again. It shouldn't be lock him in the dungeon forever for this. Um, bring him back. He's learned, you know, A.C. Leonard learned in a time when everyone was really tense and lots was going on about this, still is with these viruses. A.C. Leonard made a bad choice when he when he was tested and the way he treated the tester. So he paid the, the price. He yeah. apologized. He showed regret, as Luke mentioned. He was upfront and honest about the mistake, and then they, we can all move on. It's 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 good. Jacob's playing. Yeah, he did something similar. He he misled the Elks about his vaccination status, 
Antonio Brown in the NFL lied about his vaccination status, but there is a whole world of other stuff that goes into will Antonio Brown ever play again. Jacob Ruby, a two-year deal with the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, today. Uh, Luke, you know my address. I know your vehicle is big enough, so uh, all the Dr. Pepper and Duke Williams is yours, brother. Hey, man. I'm glad I won that negotiation. <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. He, suits the, he knows the way to my heart. We're, we've been partners for a couple yeah, years. Too late, too, too late. The negotiation's closed, man. It's over. Man, that's that's good research. That's inside information Luke had there that I I gotta get back to the. I love yeah, it. I wish I had the same connections in the, the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Luke. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks, guys. Is uh, the great Luke Mullender with us on the Western Pizza <laughs> Hotline? Plenty to go with suits and fine tailored suits. Talk about uh, Bob Young. Oh, Antonio Brown. We have a little conversation there. And why? Why? It's Glenn's favorite segment on The Cage. Why? The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM is on the air. Call us with your thoughts. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Now back to DT and the panel. 534, time for Fine Tailored Suits, brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Uh, the favorite son of bigger Saskatchewan, Glenn Suter with us. That's awesome. <laughs> you, you, you're making this, uh, for folks who, who can't see us, you're making the uh, suit coat uh, bunny hug really work it here. Well, yeah. I mean, you know that I like to wear a sports coat. I always want to represent. And uh, But I'm I'm going with the bigger uh, sweatshirt here because they sent it to me. Really nice of, of everyone there in bigger Saskatchewan and the mayor, uh, Jim Rickwood, who has sent me this lifetime membership. Uh, to uh, the city of bigger Saskatchewan. So I, I'm, that's going to go up on the wall. I'm really excited about it. They have this revitalization project going on in bigger. And uh, so I think a lot of people that, you know, have grown up in Saskatchewan, gone to all the little cities corner to corner and talked to the great people of Saskatchewan, how fired up they always are about their riders and sports. Uh, New York is big, but the future is in bigger. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, friend of the show, Ryan from Lloyd Minster says, that's my hometown suits. He's got love it. Ryan wants to see you when you go to bigger. He'll be, uh, he'll make his way down. That's fantastic. All right, let's go around the Canadian football league. Of course, uh, we were talking ton about AC Leonard, the knock on effects for Duke Williams, Braden Lenny as Jacob Ruby. Uh, we have not talked about Bob Young in Hamilton. Uh, he taking, what, uh, 40% of the team bought by Stelco. So Bob reducing his position in the Hamilton Tiger Cats is, uh, is the top of your mind. Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of the first one in my, in my why segment. You know, the why, the question mark. The wh- why, why? why are sometimes, the, why is the CFL treated than other sports in our country the way it is at times? And it's not to pull out guys and tell people what to say or anything like that. They can say whatever they want. They've earned the right to talk about the league if they're in different aspects of the media, no matter where they are across the country. So I'm, I'm not criticizing or even naming names, but there has been sort of this narrative that Bob Young was looking for an exit strategy possibly, or that, you know, he's lost so much money that he's finally making some of that back. Whereas, you know, the narrative could have been and probably should be that Stelco steel, which is synonymous with steel town, the, the, the Hamilton, the city of Hamilton, and has been for over a hundred years 
is now wanting to invest and now has 40% of not only the football team, but Bob Young's uh, soccer team and that whole business. Um, so they have bought into what they see is a, is a league that is growing with upside potential with, you know, maybe looking at reining in some, some money with regards to salaries and things like that to, to put the business at a great sort of foundation point. And then with gambling and all that the future is bringing, uh, I think they're looking at it in a positive way and saying we can be partners with Bob Young, who still has majority ownership in, in the club. And we can be part of that Steel Town family. The Ticats, Stelco Steel, Bob Young buying the team for the right reasons, and all the other smaller shareholders, they're all in it for what they see as growth in the Canadian Football League in the future, at growth potential. And that, to me, can be just as easy a narrative as, well, he just wants out and, and he's getting some money back because he's lost so much. I mean, yeah. come on. I think, if Bo- I think if Bob wanted out, he would sell 100% of the team. Exactly. And exactly. And it- yeah, there. see – Here's the thing, and again, this comes back to social media. Uh, Bob Young operates at a different level than than you and I do, right? That that than most of us do. Bob Young, the level of money, the business acumen that gets you that money that that's a different level. So I would have, if I tried to hypothesize what Bob Young's priorities are, I I would not, I may not get anywhere close because mine are about acquiring a truckload of Dr Pepper from Luke Mullender. Bob, who knows why why he sells 40% of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Maybe he wanted to take the money and run. Maybe he wanted to bring in uh, a partner to take over in the future. Maybe he wanted, you know, just thought this is going to be great for the Canadian Football League because of all the reasons you mentioned. I could not begin to hypothesize why a guy in his position with his resources and the life he's lived w- would want this. So you're, you're right. To default to this is a disaster, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's 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 the why. And 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 again, you know, if you if you those those things that you mentioned, those, those possibilities as to why he made this deal, um, you know, I think if you're going to report those and you have balance in that reporting like you would in any other sport, then I'm not bringing it up. I think it, you're bang on. And and maybe an exit strategy is one of the the reasons he's doing this. I, I don't know that for sure. And if you bring balance to that report, I, I'm getting it. But if your narrative and you're and you're building your story around just, well, it's that he's lost so much money and he's getting some of that back. Like, no, come on. Why? That that's just <laughs> that's just finding a way to create a narrative around the league again that has a negative spin when you can't you you bring balance with everything else. And and I can give you examples in other sports. Yeah, even even if Bob Young ha- and again Hamilton's financials don't get up publicly like the Riders or the Bombers or the Elks financials do, uh, because there's publicly owned teams and there's private. Even if he's lost a bunch of money, you, I don't know that I've ever heard a word from Bob Young about having lost money or anything even remotely complaining about that. No, he he bought the team because of his brother, and his brother was a huge Hamilton fan who who passed away. And when he did, he he felt like he wanted to be, as he's called himself, the caretaker of that team in the in the city. And look at what they've done. I mean, that was the team that was in trouble uh, 20 years ago. And before he took over, I remember doing games in Hamilton at the old Iverwind Stadium and thinking, oh, boy, this this team 
is in trouble. And he has turned that around. The fan base is back. The city has a brand new stadium. The Hall of Fame has moved into that same facility. I mean, this, this has been a tremendous success story with nothing but upside in the future. And that's why Stelco bought it, Yeah, if you ask me. Uh, just as an aside, Hamilton, uh, Tim Hortons Field, I would say second best stadium in the Canadian Football League. Higher or lower? Or right? did I nail it? Well, I, I really like Saskatchewan and and Winnipeg's sort of models. Uh, I love that they're kind of below ground, so it's kind of that that U.S. college feel, and yep. it also cuts the wind out and, and doesn't affect the game quite as much the the elements. Uh, I love BC Place. I think when when owners, even the current owner, looks at BC Place Stadium and they say, you know, this is too big and we can't, that's crazy. That is just crazy to me. That is a fantastic facility with one of the biggest big screens in North America that you can use to market your team for three hours with fans in the stands in a great, comfortable atmosphere with excellent sight lines. Come on. And then I would put Hamilton right after that. The only I have one little bias about Hamilton, about the stadium. Okay. The booth is so high. (laughs) It really is. Yep. Yeah. And that's just... You know, that's just media saying because the, the fans have great sight lines and the stadium's oh. awesome. But but, you know, we're way, way up there looking at these little ants running around on the field. Yeah, it's not in the nicest part of Hamilton, but the plaza they built and the stadium itself. I really enjoyed it. I went there as a fan to watch a Ryder game in 2017. And I like this. This is really this is really nice because I ever win. I thought players were going to die because that concrete block wall was like two feet outside the sideline. I thought players would die. It was just, I, I really enjoyed uh, that particular one. All right. I, I need GM. Uh, I need GM suits back. You ready? Yeah. Uh, I have my client. He's a star receiver, Antonio Brown, and he's looking to get back into football. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, I've got some interest from other teams, but I think he'd be a great fit on your team. What do you think about my client, Antonio Brown, joining your club? Yeah. My question is, why are you even asking? You know, honestly, I, yeah, I'm not doing it. And, and listen, I, I have compassion for the, the mental health issues that, you know, I, I think to some degree we all have. And, you know, in some it's, it's worse and it's harder and they need help. And, and clearly Antonio Brown has not only already done that, but, and, and look for help, but he needs more. So, so that aside, I, I still wonder, and this is not just him, but these guys that for whatever reason, whether it is a mental health issue or it's just an ego issue or that they're just those type of people. I don't know. But my question in the why category falls on the hands of these teams. I I really, I really keep wondering why a guy like Antonio Brown and his background, and you just look, I mean, I could list off going back to 18, all the incidents he's had on three different clubs and walking off at halftime and, you know, the accusations off the field and, and, you know, all the different things that has, that have happened that have culminated to that one game a couple of weeks back where he undressed basically as he was walking off. I just, there are 50, there are 70,000 NCAA college players, 15,000 seniors, 300 of them get drafted in the NFL. Why is he keep, why are guys like this continuing to get opportunities? 
I don't care how fast he is. There's fast guys everywhere in the States. I don't care how good his hands are. Give me a hungry 22-year-old that's going to come in and respect his opportunity. Give me that guy. So he goes right into my why category. And believe me, I do have compassion for mental health issues. And I, and I recognize and acknowledge that. I think we all have them at certain, in certain degrees and certain times in life. So I hope he, he gets through that, the person. But as far as a player and the team and the importance of building a team of unselfish guys that will put the team first, mm. why does he keep getting opportunities? I don't get it. Because when he was playing this year, he was the best receiver the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had. Like that's and that's entirely it, right? Like they they had a loaded receiving core: Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronkowski. But Antonio Brown was was the best player they had, and unfortunately for them, I mean Tom Brady got him in New England, and that didn't work, turn out well. So he said, "You know what? I'm in Tampa now. Let's get him down here in Tampa." If you're the GM of the Bucks and and Tom Brady says, "Hey, go get this guy," that guy's got to yeah, be I, that guy's got to be cut, stacking up bodies like cordwood in his backyard for you to not go and get him. No, I I disagree. Really? I, yeah, I, honestly, I'm having a long heart to heart with Tom Brady at that point. I really am. I you know I I'm trying to bring in a list of a whole bunch of other guys because when you when you say he was their best player. See, that's where I disagree. I, th- I think he may have been one of the most or the most talented player, physically talented player. But to me, to be a best player, eh, you have to have the other intangibles. Some of them's not measurable. But what are you like in the locker room? How are you when it comes to, you know, doing things that are sometimes not not putting you in the newspaper or on the headlines or in the end zone? Okay. But they're the hard work and stuff like special teams and things like that. You know, well, nobody's give me a roster special of those guys. There. Even yeah. if the talent level is a little bit, a little bit lower, let's yeah. say, I'll, I'll take the guy who's hungry, respectful of his teammates, respectful of the opportunity every time. That's part of what makes you a great player. The, the I guess the counter I would have is. Randy Moss was a real bad guy in the in the beginning as well, right? Fell in the draft. The Vikings took him. He 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 absolutely exploded on the scene in Minnesota. Uh, he's a bad dude though, and he moves on. And then all of a sudden, Randy Moss is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Twenty three touchdowns one year when he got to New England. Because it's because there are these redemptive stories, right? And football coaches, I. I don't know if it expands more out to every sports coach, but football coaches and football organizations like to think I'm the guy who can fix this guy and I'm going to bring him here and I'm going to fix him. And that's where Antonio Brown ends up in Pittsburgh, uh, the Raiders, the, the Patriots. I feel like there's one before he then got to Tampa Bay. Uh, I can fix this guy is, uh, it's an it's an ego driven sport, and honestly, that ego gets to the front office very quickly. Like it's it's well, well, in all yeah, thirty two front offices. I, I would I hear you, DT, but I'd also say that when you look at his track record, when you look at Antonio Brown's track record, oh, it's I think toxic. I th- it's just awful. And I I think you 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 as a GM, sure, you might consider that okay under with Tom Brady with our coach with our organization maybe we can straighten this kid out 
Um, that can happen, I think, earlier on in the process. But when you have the track record that Antonio Brown yeah. does, I, I think you're a GM looking at him going, look, if he swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, and walks like a duck, he's a duck. That's it. Yeah. We got we to gotta believe if what he, he is what his resume says he is. Well, it, so, and, and it's funny. There are multiple sayings like once bitten, twice shy, or fool me once, shame on you, on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like those only get to two. And now Tampa Bay was like chance number five, right? Like, yeah, I, I yeah. why, why, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. I, <laughs> teams like to win and think they are, they are absolutely uh, omnipotent and can fix every single problem 549 more oh I, I love the why segment because there's more and this one's going to take us to hockey when we return it's glenn Suter and fine tailored suits in the cage he's got something to say and so do you call or text Derek now at 306-936-6262 or find us on twitter at sports cage this is saskatchewan sports radio 620 ckrm Sports ticker, defensive end A.C. Leonard signed a two-year extension with the Riders. He'll make more than two hundred grand a season, according to TSN's Farhan Lalji. Leonard led the CFL with 11 sacks this past season, and the Lions made Lucky Whitehead the highest-paid receiver in the league. They signed him to a two-year extension today, more than two hundred grand a season for him as well. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781 20 90 we continue with glenn Souter in fine tailored suits and i am dragging out my words because i'm trying to jog my memory of the very important question i was going to pose to you the nhl i had something before i led the nhl and oh. i've absolutely lost it so let's go on to this uh the <laughs> national hockey league uh last count i believe was 101 games postponed and who knows when those are going to be made up. Some teams haven't played in a couple of weeks and on and on and on. And and that has you, the treatment of that situation has you uh, wondering why, why? Again, you know, again, not, not to point out, you know, or, or try to dictate what anybody says. They've earned the right to give their opinions. But I, I often, I see it through a different lens because obviously I'm, I'm defending Canadian football quite quite often every day almost at times depending on what city i'm in but when i look at this story and and it was i believe it was rick westhead who initially uh, reported this that the canucks and 19 other nhl teams are right now suing five different insurance companies for covid related losses that you know this is something that's in the courts or, or at least in the process of trying to sue these uh these insurance companies that that aren't saying they're going to pay out that COVID is a different deal and are not in the part of the policies now in order to do the story they had to talk about the number and the number was a billion dollars in losses a billion with a b mm -hmm. that that's a story that i'm not hearing i'm not reading on twitter who is talking about the Canadian teams? Now, that won't affect the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's not going to probably affect a lot of the teams down south and their owners as much. But I, I guarantee it affects the Canucks and the and the Alberta teams. And, and who is going to pay down the road for a billion dollars in losses that continue to be added onto with no fans and stands and things like that? 
where are these stories where people are actually, if that was a Canadian football league team and we're <laughs> talking about a league that's losing, remember when that was all the, all we talked about. If you listen to people talk about the Toronto Argonauts, they will always preface it with, well, they, you know, their, their numbers are not good and they're losing money and they don't have enough fans and the, and the ones they do have is the wrong demographic. And, you know, and I and I go back and forth and listen to this, and I go, can we just talk about what's going on on the field for a second, <laughs> or at least bring balance? And then I saw this NHL story, and I thought, you know, I listen to the NHL talks all the time, and and reporters talking about Connor McDavid and different players and the league and the playoffs setup and who's going to make and who's not and the goaltending and all of that. And meanwhile, at this point, they've lost over a billion dollars in the league. Yeah. Who's telling that story? Because someone's got to pay for that. Who's going to be down the line? I guarantee you it's going to be the fans. Yeah, I mean, they're going to extract a bunch of that back from the players, and I, I which should probably be more of a conversation, right? The players pay escrow, and if the revenue doesn't meet a certain threshold, the owners get to keep that money. We should probably... Yeah, we should be talking more about that. We talk about the Arizona Coyotes because they're a absolute disaster and they were just about getting evicted from their building the gila river arena whatever it is they were just going to get evicted from that but they staved that off by finding a million dollars in the couch cushions yeah we we haven't the, discussed that very much yeah the ottawa senators who play for family and friends in the stands back before covid how much are they losing every year in the last three or four years yeah, with attendance below 10,000 a game on average and a team that has not made playoff money and team that, you know, in Ottawa is now looking at through COVID and these issues and the postponements and all of it over a billion, a piece of that billion dollars in losses. Yeah. I mean, let, let's is <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, Let's just treat them all the same. If we're going to report on them, bring the balance to every league. Is is the cutting down of the CFL from your perception suits coming from the inside or from the outside? From people who, who love the league but want to take some shots at it? Or is it coming from the outside and people who, who ultimately don't really care about the league? No, not just outside. It's both. Okay. It's both. We, we need to be better messengers from the league office straight down. Much more transparent better messengers tell the stories and when you hear something that's a false narrative when you hear misinformation stop it end it come out and say it and that yeah. goes from that has randy to go both ambrosi, ways though randy ambrosi all the way down and as fans we need to step up fans that love the league say no no i want to know the source i want to know where it came from yeah. i want to know who's saying it and that that could be the reporter whomever and then take it, take it from there as to what you want to see as far as credibility or where you put that credibility of that, of that report. Is there balance in it? Because there's balance everywhere else. Is there balance here when you hear it from the Canadian Football League? We've only got about uh, 90 seconds, two minutes here. That To me, that has to go both ways because the coverage of the Canadian Football League I mean, there's there's the social media, but the coverage of the Canadian Football League is Randy Ambrosi goes on his 
uh, state of the state of the league speech and says we fixed our economic problems, and then there's nothing to back that up, and you go, well, how do I? How can I possibly believe that? I can't just take what the commissioner says as gospel. He would know, but he's he's not incentivized to tell me a hundred percent of the truth. We need we need some skepticism around around the league and around the things that officials say like we do in anything in every league in in government in in everything we need healthy skepticism and fair skepticism Could, let's say it that way couldn't agree more yeah couldn't agree more and you've got to push the leaders you've got to push the commissioners in all sports and i'm i am 100 that's that's part of the role of the media listen i i don't i don't want the entire media population to all of a sudden be cheerleaders that's that's not what i'm talking about when i bring up the why segments i'm just giving you examples of when the narrative can be created with balance that includes both positive and negative aspects of a story or as you mentioned if it's not enough information then that comes from the league and the league you're right has to be the ones that are the good are the better messengers and the league has to come in and say, "Oh, I, I gave you that the economic. What was your what was your comment? We the we fixed the economics of the league. And you're like, really? Yeah. Is that? And, and and you could stand up and say, "Whoa, whoa, uh, let's <laughs> give me more information as to why you think that." And if they're not willing to do it, then that's on the league. Yeah, and I agree with you. And then call them out on it. I, I'm I'm 100. That's the old math teacher of yeah. Show me your work, please, Mr. Commissioner. We would like to see <laughs> how that has been done. Uh, Suits, yeah. thank you, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow in a in a special Tuesday uh, edition of Fine Tailored Suits. I love it, DT. And hey, by the way, I just got the Dr. Pepper rep on the phone. Oh. So uh, yeah, so Luke Luke can send you a few bottles, but I got the rep. So we may be able to talk about that player signing and get you sort of a lifetime supply. You throw just me li- you throw me a little Garth Brooks in there too and you got me. <laughs> you got me. Is Glenn Suter it's fine tailored suits brought to you by Quality Tire, 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. 5:59 news is next on the other side. Laura Dykin on an incredible week 18 in the National Football League on the cage. 6.05 on a Monday, the Sports Cage, brought to you by Western Lumber Timber Mart with locations in Assiniboia, Moose Jaw, Rolo, and Weyburn. I thought, you know, if the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Indianapolis Colts, this could be the worst Sunday nighter of all time. Laura Dyken, it was absolutely not the best, the worst Sunday nighter of all time. It might have been the best one. To be fair, you said it'll be 0-0 and they'll yeah. just kneel the ball 50 times each. 32-32 would have had a nice ring to it. But I know you had a lot on the line for, for other reasons. Was there a moment where you thought, man, this is actually going to happen? Oh, um, just before, and I forget, was it Zay Jones? Overtime, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Las Vegas going left to right. They hit Zay on the far sidelines, I think it was. Before that, I thought, oh, this is going to happen. You're just going to plow this ball with Josh Jacobs because that's what you should do and just work this clock. I, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be. And then until Jacobs busts off that 10-yard run with 38 seconds to go after the timeout, I thought it, I thought it, was, I thought it was good. Well, I, yeah, I think right around the same time, as soon as the Chargers hit the field goal to tie it and no one was calling timeouts, and I'm like, that clock is going pretty fast. We're at three minutes now, and it's just going. And I know Staley's getting a lot of grief for, for taking the timeout when he did, and, and I don't think that really would have affected anything. But <laughs> even, you know, 
Carlson was the kicker. Yep. I can't remember. Yeah. And he hadn't missed in that building yet. And I'm like, that's how this is going to end. It's going to be his first miss, 48, 47 yards, whatever it is. The big shake. And that's just the bow <laughs> to end all bows on the game to end all games of the season. I mean, <laughs> the perfect pan from the producer and the director to say, let's get the shot of those two Steelers fans in the crowd and have their reaction to this almost ending in a tie. Yeah, amazing. Because if, if that game ended in a tie, the Steelers would have been out of the playoffs, and it was improbable tie at best. You, you mentioned the timeout, and we should talk about that because that became a talking point last night and and throughout the day today. I don't think I don't think the timeout affected anything. Uh, Barst- Agreed. Yeah. Barstool posted a video of Austin Eckler, the Chargers running back, talking to one of the Raiders, and they they said, "Oh, this is." This is them admitting that they were going to kneel it down, but you, you never see what the Raiders guy says, right? You never see his lips. So who yeah. knows what he says? Uh, this, this is my impression. Uh, people think, well, they didn't have 11 men on the field. There were always 11 men on the field. I know there's a still frame that shows nine, but there's a, there's a high safety and a cornerback dropped off. Chargers always had 11 men on the field. They called timeout because they wanted a different personnel package in mm-hmm. against the Raiders running from a one-back, one-tight-end formation. They got that one in, and then Emmanuel Acho, uh, former NFLer, posts a video saying, well, well, that's the problem. Yeah, they, they bring a safety in instead of a linebacker, and maybe that guy is who misses his assignment and allows the run to be a 10-yard run. But none of that is Brandon Staley's fault. Like He calls a timeout to get the right personnel on the field. Yeah. Agreed. It, and, and you knew they were going to run the ball anyway, and you're absolutely yeah. right. And they did. And he ended up getting, you know, say he only gained six yards on that play. Now we're talking a field goal over 50 yards, and that's a little less certain than, you know, one under 50 yards. So yeah. I, I, you know, and that's the thing with, with Staley. And, you know, there's so many moments that we'll look back at the season and be like, okay, we went, we went for it on fourth down here. We went for it just taking chances all the time. And maybe that's this new era of football that we're kind of getting into. But yeah, I, there were so many other things you could pick out of, from that game that yeah. you made a quote-unquote mistake on, like going for it on fourth down from your own 18, but like enough, enough from that. It's fine. Look, <laughs> I mean, look how they readily converted fourth and tens in those final two drives. Justin Herbert and that offense would do nothing. Uh, Josh Palmer, the Canadian, would drop balls on consecutive plays so they could get to fourth and ten, and they, they just kept making plays on fourth and ten. That was incredible. I think it was between the fourth quarter and overtime, they converted six times, six straight times on fourth down. And I was glad that, you know, there was that one, I think it was defensive holding that that gave the Chargers a new set of downs. I'm glad it wasn't the refs deciding it. I'm glad it wasn't Herbert just throwing up balls, hoping that he's going to get a pass interference call against it. It was like hard nose skilled football. And it's too bad that instead of seeing Justin Herbert and the Chargers, we have to watch old man Ben Roethlisberger play, but <laughs> so it goes, man. So it goes. I mean, you know, now you're looking at, you're like, okay, well, the Steelers of the chiefs, like that's over. But I mean, this season, if we haven't learned anything, right. It's, it's anything can happen. Yeah. And I, I wanted to keep saying throughout the game, well, you just go for the tie. It makes sense for you to just go for the tie. It's very clear. The, the Raiders wanted to pick their playoff opponent, right? If they tie, yeah. They would have been at Kansas City. Instead, they're at Cincinnati. It's it, the way they were trying. They could have had whatever matchup they wanted. They could have just got out of there without anybody getting hurt. But they went. You know what? They very clearly said we want to play Cincinnati. They didn't say it in words, but they said it with what they did. 
And in reality as well, the Chargers and the Raiders are division opponents. And there's no way, it's no way as a Cowboys fan, you're going to be like, you know what? I'd like to help the Washington football team make the playoffs. That would make me really happy. It's just, it's not, you know, everybody's coming out with the, the Madden quote now and the Al Davis, you know, just win, baby. Like, yeah. no one's saying just tie, baby. But we were all saying... <laughs> just tie baby because it you know they were down 15 points with or 14 points with eight nine minutes to go in regulation and we're like there's no way and it just it just seemed like yeah. every little puzzle piece was going to make this happen and you know i was feeling for my Steelers friends that were sitting at home probably pulling out their hair but <laughs> just you know like i don't want the Steelers and the raiders in there you want the chargers in there you want someone oh. to yell at when they're going for it on fourth down fourth and seven from their own 18 you know we need that and well, now we're denied that and you want justin Herbert? like i did not star i star. did not think when they took herbert what sixth overall i thought really wow that i don't know about that because he did not get better in his last couple of years at oregon that dude has been incredible from game one in the National Football League. Since Tyrod Taylor's lung got punctured by the doctor trying to give him a painkiller, right. Justin yeah. Herbert, like that performance yesterday, there's there's one throw, the Mike Williams, what was it, 57-yarder in overtime. He throws <laughs> that into the tiniest window I could imagine. He is, he is if you took Ben Roethlisberger and just moved him 20 yards forward, this is this is who we have. Big arm, great leader, and that dude is, has some athlete in him as well. He is, he might be a top five quarterback in the league next year. Yep, and he's got the weapons around him. I'm not sure who's free agent this year or, or all of that and what they're we're going to be looking for in the offseason, but they've got a really good offense around them. They've got a coach that's willing to take some chances and, and do some some innovative things and, and it's a tough division, you know, earlier in the season, it, it was conceivable that three teams could have made it from that division and the chiefs weren't even playing that well. And now they're doing their thing. And here we are on the last game, the last quarter, the last overtime of the regular season. And, and that could have happened as well. Three teams from the West making it through, but mm -hmm. you're right. It's an honor to watch. It's awesome to watch them play. And it's just too bad. We're, we're denied that in the postseason. but they'll be back for sure. They'll be back. Laura Dyken at TSN with us on the Western pizza hotline playoffs start Saturday with the Raiders and Bengals. They wrap up Monday with the Cardinals and the Rams. Um, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, that's the game we don't care about. That one's not going to be any good. Is that is that the sixth best playoff game so far? Uh, yes, okay. 100%. Number six. Uh, Arizona and the Rams, to me, will be uh, not interesting because Arizona's fallen off, and the Rams are so frustrating, it's unbelievable. They were running away from the Niners yesterday and then went, eh, whatever, and <laughs> and just just – Poop the bed. They poop the bed. That Matt Stafford may, is just pooping. Maybe that's that's the beauty of that game on Monday, the wild card game. These teams kind of do the same thing, and they're so explosive on both sides of the ball. You just never know when that's going to happen. So maybe we've got another perfect storm happening here, and, and we could see a crazy shootout. So I'm not ready to throw that one into the garbage yet. Okay. But, yeah, there's a, there are other matchups that – are more intriguing to me for sure. Um, Raiders, Cincy, I'm not a big Raiders fan, but man, Cincinnati in the playoffs between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, that could be mm -hmm. unbelievable. Uh, San Francisco, and uh, of course, your Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, I mean, the defense comes around, the offense has been there. San Francisco is an intriguing team uh, with how they can win football games in a couple of ways. I'm, uh, that's probably, well, that's definitely in my top half for the, uh, for the playoff round. 
that might be my number one. New England, well, <laughs> taking the Cowboys may be my it. number one. Yeah. No, the only you know what the thing, and as a Cowboys fan, and I think they'll agree that they're happy that they're the three because if they do manage anyway, they they avoid Green Bay and at least going to Lambeau if they can win next week until the NFC Championship game. But you're right, San Francisco, they're not afraid to run the ball 30, 40 times. And Shanahan says we're going to run the ball 40 times. Good defense. And you're right. Just just switch the Rams around. It was a game of two halves. So it's uh, pick your poison at this point. But I, I'm glad from a Cowboys perspective, they avoided the Cardinals since they just lost to the Cardinals yeah. and the Rams are another one of those teams. It's they, they can turn it on and look like the best team out there. And, you know, with Donald and all their Von Miller and their defensive stalwarts, but I, I outside of the Cowboys getting to play the Eagles, that's probably the best case scenario they could have asked for. Yeah. Tampa should smash Philly in the early game on Sunday, but Philly is a unique team within these playoffs with how they can run the ball and through Jalen Hurts. Uh, New England, Buffalo, I'm here for it because Josh Allen is the most up and down exciting player in the NFL. He could make an amazing play. He could make a ridiculous play. And who knows what New England is going to do? They, mm -hmm. they passed the ball three times in that super snowstorm, snow squall game against Buffalo last time out, and they ran it a thousand times they could do just about anything the uh, Saturday night game in the AFC is going to be a really nice one well and you know Bill Belichick's going to have them prepared and the Patriots are coming off a weird game where they just kind of didn't look like the quintessential Patriots team that we're used to seeing in terms of not making mistakes running the ball just didn't seem you know they and they had a lot to play for we know if, if they had won and the Bills had lost they would have they would have taken the, the AFC East They'll get all of that ironed out. It's Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, playing in Buffalo, first playoff game. You've got to think there's a lot of jitters, but again, the right guy behind him with Bill kind of saying, look, I've been here, done that before. But again, the Bills easily could have won that game. They weren't running the ball. Yeah. And when they were running the ball, it wasn't Josh Allen doing it. So it didn't really, anyway. Yeah. Uh, four coaches fired between yesterday and today. Miami getting rid of Brian Flores. The Vikings finally firing Mike Zimmer. The Bears finally firing Matt Nagy. And the Broncos firing Vic Fangio. Uh, which one is the best one? Which one is the worst one? I was, and I know I'm not alone in this. Brian Flores getting fired is a real head scratcher because the Dolphins had won, I think it's 19 games over the last two seasons. And especially how their season started this year when they were one and seven and came back in a I guess last week was when they were officially eliminated from the playoffs. There was no quit in that team. Mm -hmm. Fangio and the Broncos is a tough one because I know they got a new general manager in there and there's always the case of, okay, you're going to make your audition for one season, but usually when a new GM comes in, he's going to want to make his own coaching hire. The Vikings may be the most interesting of them outside of Kirk Cousins, just because it's such a talented team on both sides. You kind of look at that division outside of the Packers. It's, not there for the taking, but you can definitely make some noise. I don't want a piece of the bears at all. They need a quarterback, which I mean, this is a, on refrain. We've been saying this over and over again for years and years, right? Like it's, it's a job that I, well, you get I, Justin I just Fields. don't know how, I just don't know how they can't pick a quarterback. I mean, I guess it's, I guess the Broncos have that same, that same issue as well. Right. But uh, from a purely, you know, selfish standpoint, you know, being in Miami, for the football season would be too bad. Yeah. Am I supposed to be looking at it for reasons like that? Probably not. But, and even to it, like all of that with the Dolphins, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. 
the Brian Flores firing, the story comes out afterward that he didn't get along with guys in the locker room. And, and you go, okay, well, that has to be it. Because results-wise, he, he deserves to keep that yeah. job for season four. So if there's some, the players hate him in there, then I then I get this. Otherwise, it doesn't make a lick of sense. No, and he'll get a job. I think Fangio and him will get, you know, they'll be back out there in some yeah. capacity very soon for sure especially if like the jim harbaugh i know there was speculation oh now the dolphins are go after harbaugh and, and they pretty much shut that down pretty pretty quick today as well as as my uh good friend luke mullander who went to michigan state says what's he done he lost to us in back-to-back years congratulations on beating ohio state once in your life what's once, he done yeah, come yeah. on what, and then not showing up in the semifinals <laughs> that was fun to watch too not not amazing the playoffs are upon us saturday sunday and a monday night football playoff game as well as the nfl just refuses to let go its death grip on us as sports fans we're, we're such gluttons for punishment you know can you see they came out i think in the u.s they came out with like the hundred most viewed programs of the past year and like 75 of them were nfl games it doesn't matter what kind of football it is. We're, we're, we're just going to sit there and watch it like good little soldiers. Absolutely. So, LD, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you giving us some time on a Monday. Anytime. Next week. Love Playoffs. It. I love it. Cowboys win. That's all we're looking for. Laura Dykin, TSN with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. We have news from the Regina Pats on the other side of the break. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Live from the Sports Cage, it's Derek Taylor and the panel. To have your say, call 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. The Source, 620 CKRM. 6.21 on a Monday for Western Lumber Timber Mart. It's the Sports Cage news for the Regina Pats. Eight clubs in the WHL are getting back to action. They're announcing changes to 19 regular season games. Bear with me. Saturday, Sunday's games, Regina was to be at the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Those are being postponed due to capacity restrictions in Manitoba. Games for the following weekend were Friday, Saturday, Regina at the Wheat Kings. Those are also postponed as well. The league says they will be rescheduled at a later date. In their place, Sunday, so this coming Sunday, January 16th, the Moose Jaw Warriors will be here in Regina. That game was originally scheduled for a couple weeks from now. And Tuesday, Calgary Hitmen will be at Regina. That game was actually scheduled for tomorrow so they just moved it back a week, so we get some hockey. They won't be on the road in Manitoba, but uh, Abby, we get some Pats hockey, and I get to hear Dante again. You know, I I was uh, interested when I was reading this, and I was obviously disappointed in the in the uh, cancellations. But I don't think I've ever seen uh, a league take a game that's down the road and move it up, right? Like they're yeah, I think they're kind of looking ahead, going, okay, we should probably get some games in because first of all, the Pats wouldn't have played hockey for like two weeks. If they didn't get them some games, they literally would be right off. But uh, so they've taken one of the ones, uh, you know, from later in the month and they're moving it up till now. And uh, I guess that's probably just to, yeah, to get games in really. But uh, yeah, interesting. So yeah, and that's the only game they, they have uh, moved up. Yeah. Uh, oh, pardon me. They have a game actually Winnipeg at Moose Jaw originally scheduled for Wednesday, March 30th will now be played on Saturday. So yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's always push it back and push it back. But uh 
realizing that you're going to run out of you're going to run out of time and if you face that situation where you're playing regular season games during the playoffs you're doing it wrong well you might as well That's take advantage stuff. of the fact that uh you know right now they can play in saskatchewan without uh, any restrictions right so yeah um manitoba yeah they're like well we can't really field some teams because we can't have any fans in there so uh we'll hold those off and hopefully get them in later on so yeah so now we got pat sunday love it and now tuesday so there we go. Sunday, uh, no times have been released for these, at least not from the WHL. We'll wait to hear from the Regina Pats, but yes. I'm guessing 4 o'clock Sunday. That's usually yeah. the, the time they would go. Warriors, Pats, this Sunday, next Tuesday, Hitmen and Pats. That one just pushed back from tomorrow. So no game tomorrow, no games on the radio on Saturday, but Sunday, Moose Jaw at Regina as we just we're just juggling we're keeping balls in the air yeah follow the bouncing ball right now yeah of course all the uh, information you'll need will be on our website 620ckrm.com former writer Jerome Messam pleading guilty today to videotaping a sexual encounter without the woman's consent Uh, writers of course that was the incident that caused them to release Messam in July of 2018 it finally finished up in court today he will be he is expected to be sentenced uh, come March. But the big news: Novak Djokovic. Oh no! Oh no! That's, we haven't talked about Djokovic. Yeah, his. I uh, like the Novak's name. That's pretty funny. That was pretty good. Dave Hodge was the first one I saw with that. I loved it. Uh, his appeal was granted in court in Australia today. Uh, it's expected the federal government will try again to keep him from entering the country or boot him out of the country to keep him from playing. We were talking about this last week. Australian government has to has to be seen doing everything it can to keep him from entering the country. It sounds like it's a bit of a... Well, there's... Cluster, whoops. Well, there's that, but it's like uh, they're trying to push there might be a political agenda there because I guess there's an election coming up down in Australia, so I don't know. But the what I didn't know about uh, Djokovic is that he had covid so basically that's his exemption is saying i already had it just yeah. recently so so i get a whatever it is it's a six week uh window or whatever it might be for yeah. uh, for not having to you know be vaccinated because it sounds like that's the rule in australia so and you uh, saw that you saw the story around novak having joe having had covid there's a someone went to search because apparently there's you can see who who is exempt that co- that he had covid and then when you check the website 6 6 minutes later he didn't have covid and there's the thought that oh. is there's there's the internet thought that does he have somebody hacking his website to make this work for him which when you have that kind of money you could probably have that kind of access well he's a serbian god as we know so <sighs> exactly so i have no idea where the djokovic thing is going to go <laughs> and honestly i don't care <laughs> I, it, i'm not watching tennis so yeah just the government has to the government is in a no-win situation they have to fight it to the bitter end if the courts overturn them ultimately as they have today it goes on uh, it would be interesting to see his reception because this guy is a god in Australia. Like, he's a god in his home country, but he's won the Aussie Open nine times. Yeah. Nine times. Like, he is the most Aussie Open titles of any man and perhaps any woman. I'd have to check that, but that's incredible. Like, he would be a hero down there for tennis folks. But would, but they, would they boo him this time? Exactly. What would what would happen this time? AC Leonard back for two more years. We now wait to see 
When is Duke Williams' deal getting done? And the price of Duke Williams probably going up today. Farhan Lalji saying that Lucky Whitehead's deal with the BC Lions is worth 200 this year, 205 in 2023. And if I'm Duke Williams' agent, uh, I'd be like, my guy led the league in receiving, uh, and he has been a longtime star well, I in hope, this league. I hope we wake up to a press release tomorrow to give us something to talk about. Yeah. Oh, it would be so very good. If it happens, we will discuss it. Of course, Glenn Suter's back with us on Tuesday. Arash Madani, Rachel Dory on the NHL. Who you got in the college game tonight? Uh, I have Alabama. Right. Alabama walked on Georgia the last time yeah. they played. It would be great if someone other than Alabama won, but Nick Saban might just be the greatest college football coach of all time, and it's probably not egregious to say that out loud. So oh, no, he's amazing. He's he just keeps doing it. So well, uh, Georgia's my team. So let's let's fingers crossed. So you were a Thrashers fan as well? Are you a? <laughs> I was a Atl- full Atlanta. Yeah, all Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. It all started with Spud Webb actually. Back oh my God, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> Spud and Dominique. And he, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. Hawks, Falcons. Yeah, all that good stuff. So uh, Bulldogs, here we go. Bobby A. Bear, the quarterback of your youth. I love it. Uh, it's 628 Sports Cage On Demand, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, please do subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And join us Tuesday for plenty more.